Grateful that you're here. Let me, let me read you this list. Um, it's a different list than the early service people, but this is rules for teachers uh, that was in 1915 in the New Hampshire school districts. Okay, so in the state of New Hampshire, these were the rules for the teachers. You will not marry during your term of contract. You are not to keep company with men. If you're going to teach, no men around. You must be home between the hours of 8 p.m. and 6 a.m. unless you're at a school function. These are rules like on the wall. You may not loiter downtown in any of the ice cream stores. Heaven forbid you be at Andy's, right? Don't loiter in downtown in any of the ice cream stores. You may not travel beyond the city limits unless you have permission from the chairman of the school board. You can't go outside the city limits. It's like prison to be a, a, a teacher. You may not ride in carriages or automobiles with any man except your father or your brother. You may not smoke cigarettes. You may not dress in bright colors. Uh, you may under no cir circumstances dye your hair. That would be awful. You must wear at least two petticoats. I don't understand that. I don't even... Your dresses may not be any shorter than two inches above the ankles. And to keep the classroom neat and clean, you must sweep the floor once a day, scrub the floor with hot soapy water once a week, clean the back blackboards once a day, and start the fire at 7 a.m. to have the school warm by 8 a.m. when the scholars arrive. Okay, so you got this list. These are rules for teachers back in 1915. Do any of these apply anymore? Does this sound anything like, it's like this has no bearing whatsoever on us, right? You look back at that and you think the entire set of rules they had, we don't even have an occasion for. It doesn't even communicate with us. That's what this chapter, or this part of the chapter, uh, of 1 Timothy chapter 5, really ends up sounding like to us church people. Great job of reading that, Chris, just a moment ago. His, his daughter could get up here and read it in a British accent. She's trying to teach me a British accent, and she tells me the secret is to curl your throat. Okay, somebody explained to me what in the world that means. I watched her, and her throat did nothing. I just, it did nothing. But anyway, she could have done it in the British accent. He just had a nice English accent that I'm familiar with. Anyway, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and, and, and there's a couple of things as we get started, a, a glossary. Okay, this is a, a definition of terms. Not to insult your intelligence, it's just that we don't do this stuff anymore. This is like those rules in 1915, and you're like, what is that? Okay, the first one is the enrollment of widows. You're going to read about the enrollment of widows. That's a list the church kept of the names of the widows who received regular financial support from the church on a weekly basis, just as a clockwork. These, these, these widows all received money from the church out of the church treasury. They were on the roll. They were, in all practical purposes, ministers of the church. Um, there are some qualifications that we're going to read about in a moment, but here's what they did. They agreed to abide by these, these regulations, uh, these uh, qualifications, and what they did then was offer certain services to the church to cover some work of the church that others couldn't do. They would watch children, like for instance, if there's a few days between a child come into that church's care and them adopting that child, it stayed, that child stayed with the widow. 
if there's certain services needed by the church members, washing feet kind of stuff, it's just practical stuff needed. They would, if someone needed someone to sit with their ill-loved one for a certain amount of time or even overnight, they would call one of these widows who's on the enrollment of widows. All sorts of jobs that the church might have to do, and these widows did it. Somebody needed a Help take them to the doctor. Whatever it was, this was what these, el- these widows did. Enrollment of widows. Once you keep that in your head. And then, uh, and then there's another one, and it, verse 12, it helps explain verse 12. There was this oath or this pledge that they took. When they went on the enrollment of widows, they had to take, make this promise of what they would do. This, the, their end of the bargain. And if they broke it, it became a significant thing. It's sort of like they, were, they had the hands of the elders laid on them to do this job, and they needed to take it seriously and not just casually disregard it. You didn't jump off the enrollment. For them, it was a big deal. This is not like teaching Bible class when you can. This was like a full-time ministry role the church needed to know you could do. And so you took an oath, and if you broke it, it was serious business. So I want you to remember that as we go through this passage. Here's the first um, part of it. We just read a moment ago, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. The first thing you know is the families took care of the widows who were in that family. They took care of the widows in that family. That's the first rule that follows this. So you can't put on the enrollment of widows, you can't put someone who has family members who can take care of them because there's this high principle that the spiritual view of the family is you take care of your family members. Christians feel strongly about a family responsibility. We take care of our own. That's what it means to be family. And that's not just a physical family contract. That's a spiritual contract you make to your family whether they're believers or not. We have the strong sense the family takes care of itself, that we don't need to put our, our, our family member as a widow on the enrollment of widows because we're going to take care of that widow ourselves. And those of you who are in families, listen, the family thing is a big deal. God views it as a big deal. Don't, don't talk about your faith in the church when you won't practice your faith with your own family. Take care of your own. That's not just an American ideal. That is a spiritual ideal, which means a couple of things. I want you to hear this clearly. When you are taking care of an older member of your family, you are doing ministry. You are fulfilling a spiritual obligation. And if there's things at church you cannot do because you're busy taking care of your older loved do not apologize for it and don't feel embarrassed by it. You are doing important ministry. Is that true? Oh, come on. Is that true? I don't want people feeling guilty. I should be doing stuff at church. If you're taking care of your family member who needs extra care in their older age, don't you apologize. That is as much before God is anything you do. And the same is true of children. Both ends of the spectrum. For those of you who are parents raising up your kids and they make noise at church, so what? So what? Quit feeling guilty about it. I don't, do you want to be in a church where you don't hear that sound? Anybody want to be in a church where you don't hear it? You are doing stuff, and I know what you're going to say, because I remember Melissa saying, 
I'm the preacher, so I'm up here, and she's having to handle the kids by herself. She, does, she remembers going through a long period of time where she's not sure she really observed the Lord's Supper at all. Y'all know this feeling? You're wrestling those kids and all that stuff. And you might say, well, I'm not really worshipped at all. Oh, yes, you have. You having them here, teaching them what worship is, that is ministry. That is worship. That is huge. Don't ever apologize for it. You're doing ministry when you're taking care of your older members of your family that can't take care of themselves, and you're also doing ministry when you're taking care of your kiddos. So if you can't, if you got to say to Charlotte, I can't teach this quarter because my little ones are wrangling me to death in the pews, and that's the most important thing I've got to do. Amen. If she makes you feel guilty, come see me, and we will have a talk, Charlotte. We will have a talk. Because that is your A number one ministry. And don't you ever feel guilty about it. Don't you ever feel ashamed of it. And even if I say, you know, let's pray as a kid is screaming, going out, don't, I'm not, I'm never going to make you feel bad about that. Ever. If I do, I will repent in sackcloth and ashes. That's the first thing he says. Families take care of their own. Don't let the church be burdened when your family can do it yourself. The second one, notice at verse 9, let a widow be enrolled. Here's that enrollment thing. What is that? We're not using that. So let a woman be, a widow be enrolled if she's not less than 60 years of age, um, having been the wife of one husband. It doesn't mean she can't be more, married more than once. It just means one at a time, and she was faithful every time, right? And having the reputation for good works such as bringing up children and showing hospitality and washing the feet of the saints and caring for those who are afflicted and has devoted herself to every good work. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the qualifications for somebody going on that. You agree not to marry, right? You're going to agree not to marry. You're, you're over 60 and you're like, you know, 60 sounds like young to me today, right? It's younger every day to me. But back then, in that time, their age, you know, the length of time that they usually live, 60 is pretty old. And so she's 60 already, and she is, she's been a faithful, devoted spouse, and she's done good works. And so we're going to put her on the list because she knows how to do good works, and it's her good works continuing that we are, we are counting as a payment for this regular stipend she gets from the church. Now, to your mind, you're like, you mean to tell me He's 58. The church just says, sorry, right? Or maybe, maybe they don't have children. Whoops, you know, you couldn't have kids, so we can't help you. See you later. No, it's not that. The church could help people on a much wider scale than this. It's not just the enrollment. The church helped people in all facets of life, just like we do today. And there's ad hoc reasons to help older women, younger women, people in different situations, men too. The church can help, but the enrollment, that regular, ongoing care of financial support has to be 60, has to have been a faithful spouse, and has to be about good works. Now, why is that all that big a deal? It's like Paul read your mind because you have a little bit of a protest here. He goes on to explain it. But refuse to enroll younger widows... For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and soak incur condemnation for have abandoning their former faith. And you're like, what in the world? That sounds terrible, doesn't it? They want to get married and they lose their faith. It's not about losing their faith. It's that they've gone against the oath they've made that we're not going to get married. 
And that's why he counsels, goes on to counsel her, go ahead and get married, right? And that's what he says. Besides this, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they shouldn't. Here's what they were doing, and this is happening. We see this in chapter 2, back in chapter 2, too. And what he says this, he says, these younger widows, we've done this. Paul is saying, we've done this. We've put younger widows on this enrollment before, and here's what they do. Because we can pay them, and they don't have to worry about outside employment, they go from house to house visiting people, seeing what they can do, and they visit this house, and they hear the stories and the things said in this house, and they take it to the second house. And they tell those stories and they add some more to it and they take it to the third house. And suddenly we got this gossip machine going on. Now I know we can't understand anything about that. I know that sounds foreign and crazy to us. Nothing like that ever happens at Valley View. Because we don't have to go from house to house. We have a cell phone. But the idea is they just, and because of this, he says some of them have even lost their faith over this. They've gotten so divisive and conflictual that they just lose their faith. And he goes on to say that. I don't want that to happen, and I'd much rather them get married. So he says, so I would have younger widows marry. Go ahead and have children. Manage your households and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already, in fact, already strayed after Satan. And then he ends with what he began with. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can care for those widows who are really widows. There's your information in the passage. We've got the enrollment. Who, who's qualified for it and who doesn't? You take care of your own family as best you can, and the church will fill in that gap. That's the information. But I want to look at the procedure here for a second. We have said over the years we want to do Bible things in Bible ways and restore the New Testament church as it operated. We are a group that prides itself on trying to get back to that New Testament pattern. But I want to know where are our enrolled widows? Would you please raise your hand right now if you are a Valley View Church of Christ enrolled widow? Raise your hand. What? There's nobody here. We are not a New Testament church. We're not paying any attention to this message. You're not an enrolled widow. We're doomed. We got to get busy. Danny, what have you been doing? Wesley, what's wrong with you? The New Testament church had enrolled widows. Where's our enrolled widows? None of them. So what's the deal? Why don't we have a single enrolled widow. I, I want to restore the New Testament intention of how to be faithful to Christ, but can I tell you, we can't do things the way the first century did them. It would make no sense. You know what would make no sense to restore the enrolled widows? Let me come up with some words. Social Security, Medicare, nursing homes, independent living. There's all sorts of those things out there because the state that we live in feels it necessary to take care of people like that and they plan for it all through your life and therefore if that need is being met, why should the church meet it? I like to think that the reason our country does that is at the point when they established that stuff, there was still some residue of the Judeo-Christian ethic. It really is because of faithfulness 
In fact, Stuart was saying, you know, uh, you're considered widows in the Social Security thing when you're 60. I wonder if that's from this passage. Good shot. It's a good possibility. That's how they would have started back then. Wouldn't pay any attention now, but back then they would have paid attention to that. There's no reason for that. It makes no sense whatsoever for us to do the enrollment when there's somebody already taking care of that. But you want to say, well, we need to do it because that's what the New Testament church did, and we got to restore that very same thing. Why? Do you know why we do this with orphans? In the first century, they were known for this. They would go and what they call expose, especially girls. If they had a girl in the family they didn't want, they'd just take them out in the middle of the, the wilderness somewhere and leave her there, and she would die, left to the elements. And the church knew where these places were, and they would continually go to them and take those children and take care of them and, and, and figure out a way to adopt them out. That's what some of the things the church was known for in the first century. It's a wonderful reputation. To have. But today you can't do that. The bureaucracy and red tape of taking care of children today is way too complicated for an individual person. And so we come up with children's homes. But there'll be people still say to us, I've got brothers and sisters I consider faithful. I'm not sure they consider me faithful. They would say, you can't do that. The early church didn't. The early church couldn't. There was no such thing. But here's what I know. It's very dear to the heart of God for us to take care of widows and orphans in their distress. How do I know that? James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion undefiled before God is this, right? We know that because the entire Old Testament is full of illustrations of God taking care of the refugee and the poor and the disabled and the orphan and the widow. And so that's very clear to the heart of God. But how you do needs to be updated in every generation. We need to take care of business, and we need to be about it. Valley View does need to be about taking care of widows and orphans. There's no question about that. But what it looks like in 2022 must be different than it looked like at 0090. It just needs to look different. To hold to that standard would be crazy to me. So... If that's the case, what's the application we can make for this? We need to be engaged somehow. But can I tell you what I love about this chapter is the logistics of doing that are enormous. It's really easy to say, we need to start a ministry for this, a ministry for this, a ministry for this. And there's all sorts of people who will come to us and say, you need to do this, and you need to do that. And they'll come to the elders and say, you need to do this, and you need to do that. And that sounds great, but the logistics is just like, it will give you a headache. So in Kennett, when I was there, we had a clothing center. The Dorcas ladies ran it. Gary James' mother started it, and she operated till the day she died in 2011. Uh, she was 102 years old. She still ran that thing like, like a ship captain, kind of like Gary, right? It, 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 she took care of that stuff, and, and people would come on Tuesdays, but you could only come once a month. You can only come one time a month, and they kept track, they kept these records, meticulous records about who's been there and what they took. And everybody's like, just let them take whatever they want to. And that sounds easy, doesn't it? Just let them take whatever they want to. Another group in town decided, you guys are too, you got too much regulation stuff. We just want to, we want everybody to come and do what they want. And they opened up a center. It got crazy and chaotic, and three years they closed. Because the logistics of doing this stuff are enormous. If you've ever worked with disaster relief, when the tornadoes came through Carothersville, we helped with disaster relief, and they unloaded this big old truck, and we had visions of, oh, 
oh, everybody's going to look to the church and say, look at that, how they met the need. And all these people came out of everywhere. And it, was just, it was chaos. We thought we just let everybody have what they want. You can't do that. Not in our culture. That gets crazy. How do we know that from the first century? Does anybody remember what the first great conflict of the early church was? The one that threatened to absolutely explode it right at the very opening bell of the early church? Anybody know what it is? Acts chapter 6. The help of widows. Isn't that interesting? Oh, this seems so easy. Let's just go and feed them all. But what ends up happening is someone gets left out. Someone gets more than somebody else. Charges of racism are, are leveled against the church, and they're backing up going, whoa, this is, not, this is not as easy as we would make it seem. We've got to have a structure. Let's pick seven men. Let's put deacons over it. Let's have some rules in order because this is going to be crazy. The logistics of carrying out ministry is much more difficult than meets the human eye. They solved it, and they grew as a result. Paul shows us in this chapter the idea of helping people is wonderful. And every one of us in here would love to say, hey, Valley View is that church that helps people. That's wonderful. But you all, there's got to be a structure to it. There's got to be people in charge of it who regulate it. Because if you don't, it will get conflictual. And it will cause division rather than a good reputation. That's strange how that works. But that's how it works. Pack-a-sack is great, but we've got certain rules in place about who gets it and how they sign up for it. And while we'd love to just say, hey, come and get it if you want to, that's just not how you can do it. Second, we do not have enrollment of widows here. We still do, however, need to understand that we must express this value and ideal in some concrete way that makes sense at Valley View. How do we look after older members who might be more vulnerable? How do we do that? We don't have enrollment, but I can tell you this. We have elders who are, in they've got their pulse on older members and widows especially. We've had occasions where financial help was necessary and it was given. But more often than that, in our culture, there's other things like there might be people who are suffering from depression and they don't just come out and tell you this. And it's not clear to everyone, but somebody needs to be paying attention to these older folks. Somebody better be paying attention. And we all have a responsibility to look after one another. Pay attention to these older folks and make sure you keep tabs on them. Make sure people like Harold and Wanda, who were supposed to be here today, Harold decided he was going to get out and, I don't know, trim his hedges or something yesterday. Really got kind of messed up, and somebody had to, you know, have to take care of all that stuff. I want to say, hey, listen, you got a church of people, but that's not really easy either, is it? You got a whole bunch of people who can, but you might have not a one who does. A bunch of people who can, but not a one who does. And we need to be aware of that and ready for that. When Gary James gets the stupid idea, and he's not here, so I can call it a stupid idea. When he gets this crazy idea, he's feeling a little bit, he's feeling a little bit dizzy, but I can change that light bulb 30 feet in the air. I mean, that's Gary James for you. He'll give it a shot, right? And he'll climb that ladder, and he'll break his neck, but he won't die. He'll keep living. 
That's just the way. He's just going to keep going and keep going and, and piece himself together. That's what he's going to. He shouldn't be doing that. He should have somebody he can call, right? Somebody should be able to do that. Those are the kinds of things we need to pay, pay attention to. Or maybe there's an older person who can't figure out this Medicare stuff. You know you can call and give them your zip code. Has everybody done that? I wish you'd do that and get these commercials off TV. Anyway, so maybe you can't do that. Maybe you don't have a family member to do it. Somebody needs to be able to help them with that. And that can be us. Third thing, last thing. The widows played a great role in the church. It's not just they need the church, they serve the church. We're not just talking about widows here, we're talking about older people in general, but certainly the widows are part of this. It's, we're not going to ask you to fill in that perpetual pothole over there by the office building. We're not going to ask you to do that. Wouldn't matter anyway, we'd have to do it next week too, just like whoever does it does it. We don't, we're not going to ask you to do that or teach a class for the next eight years of your life. Not going to do that. But there are things that older people can do. And listen, I know you have your freedom, and I love the idea that you can go where you want to and do what you want to and say no when you want to and all that. But we, we, have, we have some roles you can fill. There's things you can do that will make you uh, you're useful. We've got people who sometimes need other people to just sit with their loved one. You don't have to have any medical expertise. Just sit there and make sure nothing weird happens. And you can always watch Gunsmoke on channels if you want to while you're doing it. And if you will, come over and I'll bring a sandwich. We'll watch Gunsmoke, enjoy festive, and we'll do a great ministry together. Right? There's no reason why you can't. If you can do that at home, you can do it over here. Or someone needs some, a ride to the doctor, you can drive. You might even help their prayer life as you take them there. I mean, I don't know how you drive. But there's different things you can do. And, you, you, and, and you'll have people, I'll have people like this. We've been talking about this last couple of weeks. Like, Earlene Middleton, who just comes up to me and says, I'm all, I'm tired and I don't want to do it anymore. She's lying. I caught her doing something the other day. She sits in a stool and she cleans out the stuff. And what's her husband doing? Yep, that's what he's doing. She's out there just, just bottling, and he's back there going, boy, she looks good doing that, don't she? As he sits there drinking his tea, right? There's different stuff you can do. There's things you can do. You, you aren't done yet. You aren't done yet until God calls you home. And this church needs its older members to show young people how to be useful to God all your life life. There is no Levite age of 30 to 50 and you retire out. That's not the New Testament. We could use that force and use these people. That's what Paul is actually saying in this chapter. Sign them up. Don't just sign them up for, for the, the, the regular contribution of, of their welfare and stuff. Don't just do that. Sign them up for use because the church could use this workforce, right? Serving God. As I listen to people all the time about different churches they can go to, in Jonesboro, so many options you got. I've mostly lived in towns where, this, where there was only one shot. And if you didn't like them, well, then you just had to, I don't know what you did. But in Jonesboro, you got so many options. And we want one with a great youth 
program. We want one with a great college program. We want one with great outreach to the local community. But what you don't realize is for each one of these, it takes some tireless workers and it takes some structure to do. It doesn't just get done. And we want to boast and brag about it. And we do. I mean, in the positive sense, we want to be able to be proud of our church for all the works it does. But can I tell you, in order to have the reputation, you must actually do the work. And in order to do the work, you need the structure. In order to work the structure, you've got to have the people. So what church do you want? What do you want Valley View to be known for? It can only be known for what it actually does. And we can only do what we have people for. And I want us to watch our pronouns. In our culture, we're told to watch our pronouns. I want you to watch your pronouns. And don't say, well, Valley View, they do this. They do this. It's not they. It's we. We do this. This is our church, and you make it what you want it to be. But for we to do it, me must do it. And that's you. And I need you. Be looking at your life and say, what are you doing? And if you're taking care of older members of your family and that's taking all your time, thank you. That's a ministry to this church. I'm watching, we're watching, and you're teaching us. If you're taking care of young ones and you're trying to figure out how you're going to navigate all that stuff and all these young, listen, you are doing some great ministry. We're watching. And everything in between requires people. This morning, if there's anything in your life that's amiss, Make it right and get to work with God. If you've never given your life to God and said, I want to use it up in your service, this is a great morning to meet Jesus in the waters of baptism, to rise and say, put me to work. I want to be part of God's kingdom and God's family. There is a place for you, there's a job for you, and this is the church for you. Whatever is your need, make it known as we stand and as we sing.